For the sermon of today, Mr. Rod Reynolds. Good afternoon, everyone. The gospel, sometimes called a mystery, contains the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In this sermon, I want to survey some of the mysteries of the Bible. Now, each one of these subjects could be a sermon of itself, or probably several sermons, but today I want to cover some of them in a summary fashion. The gospel, God's word, the Bible, is a mystery. Though the most widely distributed book in history, according to GuinnessWorldRecords.com, the Bible's teachings are properly understood by, relatively speaking, only a handful of people. Many specific truths are revealed in the Bible that are themselves mysteries, even though they are clearly explained in the Bible. Now, we might ask, why is the most widely published book in the world a mystery? Why are its teachings mysteries? To help us understand, let's look at the word mystery itself as it's used in the Bible and discuss its meaning. The word mystery used in the singular or plural form 27 times in the New King James translation of the New Testament is translated from the Greek word mysterion. In essence, the word means that which is understood only by initiates or by a select group. Some of the comments explaining the word mysterion from Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words are as follows, and I'm quoting here. In the New Testament, it denotes not the mysterious as with the English word, but that which being outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension can be made known only by divine revelation and is made known in a manner and at a time appointed by God and to those only who are illumined by his spirit. In the ordinary sense, a mystery implies knowledge withheld. Its scriptural significance is truth revealed. Hence, the terms especially associated with the subject are made known, manifested, revealed, preached, understand, dispensation. The definition given above may be best illustrated by the following passage, quote, the mystery which has been hid from all ages and generations, but now has it been manifested to his saints. That's from Colossians 1 verse 26. And Vines goes on to say, it is used of spiritual truth generally as revealed in the gospel. Now notice here that the mystery, the mysteries of the Bible are revealed. They're revealed. The mystery of the gospel has been described as an open secret. It is a secret that has been openly proclaimed. It's a secret that has been revealed. 
and yet few believe it, and even fewer take the time or put in the effort to actually understand it. So for most people, it remains a mystery, even though it is revealed. It is a revelation that they do not understand. The mysteries of the gospel or God's word, the Bible, that is what the gospel is, really the, the gospel in its fullest sense includes the entire Bible. And the mysteries of the Bible are the spiritual truths contained in the Bible. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 8 says, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. What is the mystery of the faith? Faith simply means belief. The faith of which Paul speaks is the system of belief contained in God's word. The mystery of the faith is everything encompassed in the teachings of God's word because that's what comprises the true faith. Our faith is guided by the word of God. That's what we believe. That is our faith, God's word. Jesus said in Matthew 4 and verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we are to be living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We're to be living by God's word. And that is our faith. It is supposed to be our way of life. Included in the mysteries of the Bible is, among other things, knowledge concerning the nature of God as a family, God's eternal purpose for mankind, including both Israelites and Gentiles, calling, election, and salvation by grace through faith, conversion through the indwelling of the Father in Jesus Christ by repentance and obedience through faith, the resurrection from the dead, the church in the eras of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of the harlot empire. A number of other specific doctrines could be referenced as well. The mystery of the gospel is revealed through the word of God. Preserved in the Bible. But as noted earlier, it and its various features are not understood by most people in this age. And it is not that God does not want people to understand his word. In fact, emphatically, God does want mankind to understand. But there are prerequisites to understanding. Notice what Moses said to the Israelites as they were about to enter the promised land. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 5. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 5. 
Moses said, Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. Be careful to observe them, the laws that God had given, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Now notice here that their understanding is contingent on obeying the laws that God had given to them. And they were instructed to keep those laws. And they were told if they, if they did keep them, that it would be wisdom and understanding for them. In Psalm 111 and verse 10, Psalm 111 and verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. So we see that understanding would come for the Israelites with obeying the laws God had given them. And the same is true of anyone who would have spiritual understanding. A good understanding of all those who do, who do his commandments. The principle that spiritual understanding depends on obedience to God's word, his laws is confirmed many times in scripture. And just, I'll, I'll, I'll quote a few scriptures to illustrate that here, besides the one, uh, ones I've already quoted. In Proverbs 2 and verse 1, Proverbs 2 and verse 1, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Notice, receive God's words and treasure his commands so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice equity and every good path. But notice all of this is contingent on treasuring God's commands, receiving his words. Proverbs 3 and verse 1. Proverbs 3 and verse 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. 
Notice the, the, the commands of God add peace. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Once again, we see that understanding is contingent on keeping the commands of God. In Proverbs 4 and verse 1, Proverbs 4 and verse 1 says, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. Now, notice he says, Give attention to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. If you want understanding, do not forsake the law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Again, we see understanding is contingent on keeping God's word, his commandments. Proverbs 7 and verse 1. My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live in my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin. Proverbs 8 and verse 1. Proverbs 8 and verse 1. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill. Beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates, at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. This is really a, uh, a metaphor for the gospel being preached by the church. She cries out by the gates, at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. Notice here being called the sons of men. The people who were are within earshot of the message being proclaimed. All you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are, right, are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in it. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. 
and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom I am understanding. I have strength. By kings, by me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles and all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. This tells us that if we seek wisdom from the gospel, the message of God's word, then we will find it. If we are willing to receive the instruction that goes along with it. In Proverbs 9 and verse 1, Proverbs 9 and verse 1, it says, Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat, she has mixed her wine, she has furnished her table. She has sent out her maiden, she cries out from the highest places of the city. This is also a metaphor for the preaching of the gospel. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding... She says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. Notice there is a way of understanding. There is a way which leads, which produces understanding. And if you are not going in that way, you will be lacking, to one degree or another, in understanding. If you want to have understanding, if you want to have full understanding, if you want to understand the mysteries of God, of the Bible, you have to go in the way of understanding. What is that way? It is obeying the commandments of God. Obeying the commandments, taking heed to the scripture, following the word of God leads to understanding. But understanding requires a willingness to meet the requirements that will enable one to have understanding of the mysteries of the Bible. And most people who have been exposed to the word of God have not demonstrated such a willingness in this age. Nevertheless, it is God's will that you, that you and all people understand these mysteries. Notice in Colossians 1 and verse 9. Colossians 1 and verse 9, Paul wrote to the Colossians, We do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice the prayer of Paul and his companions for the people was that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. In Colossians 2 and verse 1, beginning of verse 1, he said, Colossians 2 and verse 1, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh 
that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Notice that it was Paul's hope that they would attain to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. He was writing, of course, mainly to the church here. And it is our responsibility as part of the church to come to understand the mysteries of the gospel and to proclaim them, making the Bible plain so that anyone who is willing to believe, who is willing, may understand and obey the gospel. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards of the mysteries of God. A steward, in this sense, is someone who has been given uh, the responsibility to, to take charge and to be responsible for something that he has been given. In this case, it is the mysteries of God, the, the truth of God's word. And we are stewards. We are we are accountable to God for what we do with what we have been given as stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul asked that those whom he served pray for him. In Ephesians 6, verse 19, Ephesians 6, verse 19, he asked that they would pray that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. To make, to, 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 they, they were to pray that he be given utterance, that he might speak boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. So notice that even though it is a mystery, it is something that is openly proclaimed, that it is something that God wants us to understand. In fact, he tells us how we can understand it. And just the, the few scriptures I've read are, are just um, a part of a small part of the instructions given in God's word to teach us how to understand these things as well as explaining them. According to Paul, Jesus said to him when he was struck blind and led to conversion on his way to, to Damascus, he said in Acts 26, recounting what had happened in verse 16, Acts 26 and verse 16, he said, uh, quoting what Christ said to him at that time, quote, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. 
I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified in faith by, by faith in me. Notice the reason that uh, Christ at that time intervened in Paul's life, leading him to conversion, was to send him as a witness of the things that were being revealed and through his witness to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That was his mission. So that they may, they may receive forgiveness of sins. So that, so that the way would be open for them if they so chose to follow that way to receive forgiveness of sins and, and inheritance among those sanctified through faith. Paul's writings and other scriptures are preserved in the Bible so that we may continue the commission to preach the gospel and to make it known plainly to mankind that their eyes may be opened to the truth. We have preserved in God's word the same things that Paul preached, the things that Christ revealed to him. And they were written down so that we could have those things available that knowledge available to us and that we could in turn proclaim the same message to make these things plainly available that their eyes might be open to the truth. Now we know that most will not be willing to receive the message of the gospel in this age. We already know that because we have the record of history and we have seen what human beings have done with the message down through history. Most have rejected it. But they still had an opportunity. Mass, massive numbers of people have had the opportunity to hear it and to respond to it. But they have rejected it for the most part. But one openly proclaimed secret that few understand is that God will rectify the circumstance of the spiritual blindness of the vast bulk of mankind in another age. Most of mankind has remained blind to the, to the mysteries of the gospel, but that will be resolved eventually in a future age. That's actually one of the mysteries of God's word one of the secrets that few understand. The word mystery tends to evoke a certain kind of wonder, perhaps even awe. Someone who claims to be able to explain a mystery, if he is believed, is likely to be looked up to. Many imposters and religious frauds have come along claiming to have knowledge of spiritual or religious mysteries including mysteries of the Bible. And they have come up with fanciful explanations of various mysteries. 
many have followed them down through the ages. Many follow them today. But they are their own explanations, their own interpretations of the Bible's secrets, and many have been deceived by them. Because, for the most part, their so-called explanations are fraudulent and false. No scripture of the Bible is of any private interpretation. Men should not be reading their own ideas into scripture. That's not how one comes to understand the mysteries of the Bible. That's a formula for deception. We read in 2 Peter 1 and verse 20. 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So that means that we must not follow the words of any man unless what he is teaching is fully consistent with the Bible. The Bible explains its own mysteries. Sometimes historical information is needed as a supplement, but any explanation of biblical truth that runs counter to or is inconsistent with the Bible's own explanation is false and fraudulent. So we must not be fooled by imposters who teach falsehoods fabricated by themselves about the doctrines of the Bible. The purpose and plan of God is revealed in outline form in the annual festivals and holy days, as we explained recently in another sermon. But few have kept them or understand their meaning. Many of those who did keep them in the Old Testament era understood salvation in a general sense. For example, the Jews understood the 70 bulls offered during the Feast of Tabernacles as representative of the 70 original, original nations of the world as enumerated in Genesis 10. It's likely that the Jews and Israelites who kept the feast understood the calling and conversion of the Gentiles that was to occur in the Messianic age and their inclusion among God's people at that time. But they did not generally foresee the calling of Gentiles in this age the age of the New Testament. Church, beginning with Christ's crucifixion and resurrection and leading up to his second coming. Indeed, while they expected the coming of the Messiah, even the Jews who were alive at the time that Jesus Christ was born as a human being, while they expected the coming of the Messiah, they did not expect the Messiah to come in the manner of his first coming. They did not expect a Messiah who would come, who would rebuke them and be crucified, although prophecies of the Old Testament predicted these things. Many of the details of God's purpose and how he is working it out are revealed in the New Testament, details that had not been plainly revealed prior to Christ's coming. They were revealed up to a point, many of them, but not in the same detail as they are revealed 
in the New Testament. Paul refers to this in the book of Ephesians where he wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians 3 and verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation, dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all, all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord, end quote. Now, he said in verse 2, he said, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. What does that mean? Here's what Clark's commentary says about this word dispensation as used in this verse. The, work, uh, the word oikonomia, the Greek word oikonomia, which is the same as our word economy, signifies the plan which the master of a family or his steward has established for the management of the family. It signifies also a plan for the management of any sort of business. And here it means the dispensation of the gospel, that plan by which God has provided salvation for a lost world, and according to which he intends to gather all believers, both Jews and Gentiles, into one church under Jesus Christ, their head and governor. So what Paul is talking about here is God's plan of salvation. The understanding of that plan, which was given to him so that he could relay it, relay that knowledge, called here the mystery of, of Christ, to the church, which he served. And so that in turn, the church itself could make that same knowledge known as widely as possible. 
so that all could see, so that all could have an opportunity to see what is the fellowship of the mystery according to the eternal purpose. It is the revelation of God's purpose for mankind and how God intends to fulfill that purpose. The dispensation was the knowledge of God's plan of salvation. And notice he said that you can understand this by reading what he had written about it. That means that anyone who is willing to read with an open mind what Paul wrote and what is written in the Bible about this mystery, they can understand it if they are willing to follow the way of understanding. We read here, too, that the conversion of the Gentiles and the eternal purpose of God are associated with a mystery that has been hidden. It was hidden, but it was now made known by the church. It was to be made known by the church for all to see. And as I mentioned, this knowledge is revealed to an extent in the Old Testament and explained in greater detail in the New Testament. Actually, we need to have both testaments and put them together to fully understand it. But it is available for anyone to see who is willing to see and to believe. This mystery of the gospel has been made known to all nations. It has been made known to all nations. In Romans 16, verse 25, Romans 16, verse 25, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest. Made manifest simply needs, means to be revealed. But now has been made manifest or revealed by the prophetic scriptures, has been made known to all nations. according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. End quote. Now notice that Paul said that this mystery that was hidden or secret has now been revealed and has been made known to all nations. It was made known to all nations. In the apostolic age, the gospel was preached to every corner of the earth. Notice what Paul said in Colossians 1, beginning with verse 19. Colossians 1, verse 19, For it pleased the Father that in Him, that is in Christ, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, 
grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Notice Paul here says the gospel had been preached to every creature under heaven. In other words, every human being had access in some way to the gospel message at that time in the era of the apostles. Now, we don't know all the details about how that was done or to what extent it was done, but Christ's commission to his apostles was this. Mark 16, verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world. All the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. That was his... Those were his marching orders to the church. To the apostles. To his ministers. To go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, Christ said, and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Or judged, might be better translated. The mystery of which Paul wrote in Ephesians 3 includes the knowledge that God is a family and is preparing the church now married to Christ, to be with him in his kingdom. Notice what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He's writing to the church here. The word translated betrothed, where he says, I have betrothed you to one husband, meaning Christ. The word betrothed is a form of the Greek word harmatzo, harmatzo, which means to join, as to join in marriage, or to espouse, or to betroth. As it says in Easton's Bible Dictionary, quote, from the time of betrothal, the woman was regarded as the lawful wife of the man to whom she was betrothed. So, the church is now betrothed to Christ. That means the church is now married to Christ. The church is the wife of Jesus Christ now. Not going to be married later on. The church is already married to Christ. Of course, this is a, this is a uh, metaphor. It's an analogy. And the church is now married by way of analogy to Christ. Now later on, as in Hebrew tradition, we are told there will be a wedding feast the wedding feast came after the marriage, usually many months, a year, and sometimes longer, after the marriage 
there was a wedding feast and we're told that the, the wedding feast is a metaphor for the kingdom of God. In Matthew 22 and other scriptures, here the wedding feast is a symbol of the celebration and consummation of the covenant with Christ, the marriage covenant, so to speak. And it is a symbol of the millennial reign of Christ with the saints. But it tells us that God is a family, that God is creating a family. And this is one way of expressing it. Actually, there are several ways of expressing this in the scripture. We're called, the church collectively is called the bride of Christ, but we individually are referred to as God's children, his sons and daughters. In Ephesians 5, verse 29, Ephesians 5, verse 29, Paul wrote, No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, he's quoting uh, the book of Genesis here, he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul goes on to say, This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. Notice this as a mystery. It is a, 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 a doctrine of, of the Bible that expresses the fact that God is developing a family through human beings through the church. And in this analogy, as I mentioned, the church is compared to a wife, a bride. Scripture reveals the mystery of godliness. It reveals that we are to become like Christ, like God, as Christ dwells in us through His Spirit. In 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 16, it says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Christ was the first of the first fruits. He was the first to attain the resurrection. And through him, through Christ, we, other human beings, have the same potential. Colossians 1 and verse 26. Colossians 1 and verse 26, Paul wrote, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory 
of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is a mystery which has been revealed. It is a mystery of godliness. It is a mystery of how we may attain glory following the footsteps of Jesus Christ as Christ dwells in us through his spirit. The gathering to himself of all things, including all peoples, in the dispensation of time is a mystery few understand. According to traditional belief among most professing Christian denominations, most people will wind up in hell because most people have never been in any sense Christians. And according to traditional belief of professing Christian denominations, they're bound for hell, eternally cut off from God. But the Bible reveals that all human beings will have the opportunity to know God and that most will ultimately be in his kingdom. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, Ephesians 1 verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Now notice this is an expression of God's will. that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Note that the predestination spoken of here in verse 5 is not exclusive, as many have assumed. But it is inclusive in the sense that it is God's will that he might gather together all things which would include all peoples in Christ not just some tiny slice of humanity as the Calvinists teach following John Calvin's misunderstanding of what predestination is all about but God is destined Mankind to share with him his eternal kingdom. That's why he created mankind. And it is God's express will 
that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he will gather together in one all things, all people in Christ. And yet the Bible makes it plain that not all are being gathered in this age as they will be later on, as Paul wrote, in the dispensation of the fullness of the times. For the present, although God gives the world an opportunity to hear the truth, to hear the mystery of the gospel explained, most are blind to it. And most remain blind to it. Jesus explained this in Matthew 13 by a parable. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, he has will be taken away. He's speaking here of spiritual insight or knowledge. And he goes on to explain. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of the Isaiah is fulfilled which says hearing you will hear and shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn or repent so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches 
choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now, there's several truths that we can glean from this parable and its explanation. First of all, the problem is not that the word has not been made available. It is not that the seed has not been sown. That's not the problem. The problem for the world today is not even that the teachings were in parables. Notice Jesus said, uh, he said that he spoke in parables because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. And then he went on to explain the meaning of the parable. Now the crowd out there, the general audience, who were not in his inner circle, all they heard was the first few verses that I read here, which was the parable about the, the sower and the seed, but they were not privy to the explanation. A parable is essentially an analogy. Essentially, that's what the, word, the Greek word means, an analogy or a simile where one thing is compared to another for the sake of illustration, or, or a metaphor, you might call it, which is the same thing, essentially. And much of the Bible, a great deal of the Bible, is written in parable or symbolic language. But the Bible interprets its own symbols. Jesus himself explained the meaning of the parable of the sower and the seed to his disciples, and the explanation of its meaning is recorded in Scripture for anyone to read. Just as are the meanings of other parables and symbols used in Scripture. Because Scripture itself explains the meaning of its symbols. So even the fact that the message was given in a parable is not an impediment to understanding for anyone who can read today. That's not the problem. The problem is, as Jesus said, that the hearts of the people are dull or insensitive. They are unreceptive to the message. They are hardened to the message. Their ears are hard of hearing. They refuse to hear, and they have closed their eyes, as Jesus said, they have closed their eyes to the truth. And he said, if it were not for that, if it were not for that, they could see. They could hear, and they could understand the message. And then they could be healed or converted. That's why 
the Bible remains a mystery to most people because their hearts are dull. They're unreceptive to the message. They're dull of hearing. They have closed their eyes. They don't want to see the truth. Paul explains further the blindness in part that pertains to Israel. And he explains that it is God's plan to save all Israel eventually. That is, not every single individual, but the vast majority will be saved because there will always be some incorrigibles who will refuse salvation, but it is God's purpose to ultimately save the vast majority of the people of Israel. As Paul wrote in Romans 11, beginning with verse 25. Verse 25, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. Now here's another mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Notice that blindness in part has happened until a certain point in time, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. He's writing to Gentiles here. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have been now disobedient, that through the mercy shown to you they may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Of the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. End quote. Now, Paul wrote in verse 32 here of the Israelites that God had committed them all to disobedience. Again, all is a um, is a figure of speech here. It doesn't mean literally all. It means nearly all or most of them, because. Not, all, not every Israelite was disobedient. There were some who were obedient. But the vast majority have been disobedient. And uh, God has committed them, it says, to disobedience. Now the Greek word used here, translated committed, in the, in the uh, verse 32 here, in the New King James Version, the Greek word, as explained in Robertson's word pictures in the New Testament, 
is Senek Lyson, Senek Lyson, and I believe in the uh, King James Version, it's translated has shut up. And this is the, according to Robertson, this is the first arrowist active indicative of Sencleo, which essentially means to, to uh, place in a net together or something uh, comparable, or as, as Robertson says, to shut together like a net. He goes on to say this is resultant effective arrowist because of the disbelief and disobedience of both Gentile and Jew. This is a resultant arrowist because of the disbelief and disobedience of both Gentile and Jew. What he's saying here is that this God committing them to disobedience is a consequence of their disobedience because they adamantly refuse to obey, so God has committed them to their own disobedience, to their own refusal to obey. But he has not given up on them. He has done this with the idea of later bringing them to repentance and to salvation. This is a temporary expedient that God is using to work out his plan. And notice it says in verse 25 that Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And this is probably speaking of the completion of the Gentile era, culminating with the final resurrection of the beast empire and with the great tribulation during which they will tread Jerusalem and the church and physical Israel underfoot for three and a half years. As it is written in Revelation 11 and verse 1, Revelation 11 and verse 1, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months or three and a half years. Now at the end of this period, which will correspond with the period of the great tribulation and the last great day, or the last year, which is referred to as the last, uh, the, uh, the last uh, not the last great day, but the uh, day of the Lord, I should say, um, at the end of that period, Christ will intervene. He will come a second time. He will then bring Israel out of the tribulation and lead them to conversion. In fact, the tribulation itself, is uh, its purpose is in part to lead the people of Israel to the point of conversion. 
by humbling them. We read about that in Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11, verse 16. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, speaking of the Israelites, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts follow the desire for their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Notice that God is going to bring them back out of captivity and give them a new spirit and take the stony heart out of their flesh. And they will walk in his statutes. They will no longer be spiritually blind. The understanding of the mysteries of God's word is granted with the help of God's spirit. The carnal mind is unable by itself to understand the mysteries of God's word. That's why the Bible speaks of a way of understanding. Because with that way comes the spirit of God. And with that way comes understanding. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained, before the, before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who, or which as it should be translated, is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. For the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, or spiritually minded you might say, judges all things, 
yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So, only with the help, the insight that is made available by the Spirit of God working in our minds, can we understand these mysteries? But how does one receive God's Spirit? One receives God's Spirit when one repents, when one turns to God, when one asks to be forgiven of his sins and determines to begin walking in the way of understanding that is, obeying the commandments of God. Then, upon such a repentance, one can receive the Spirit of God and begin to have real insight into the mysteries of the Bible. In Proverbs 1 and verse 23, and this was just as true under the Old Covenant as it is the New, in Proverbs 1 and verse 23, it says, Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. This is in the Old Testament. Turn at my rebuke. In other words, repent. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. I will make the Bible plain. I will reveal the mysteries that I am prepared to reveal at that particular time as we seen earlier, not everything was revealed uh, that was ultimately to be revealed, but much had been revealed even in the era of the Old Testament or Old Covenant era. And God said, if you repent, if you turn at his rebuke, his reproof, then he will pour out his spirit and he will make his word known. In Acts 2 and verse 38, Peter said to them when they, when they were convicted and asking what they should do, Peter said to them, here's what you should do, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, repentance is something that you don't just do once and it's over with. Repentance is something you do the rest of your life, as long as you're made of flesh. You repent daily. You repent on a continuing basis. And as long as you continue in a repentant attitude and spirit, you're going to God daily and seeking God and repenting of your sins, asking God for forgiveness and striving diligently to put into effect God's word and his laws, then you will be given understanding. You will grow in understanding. And you will comprehend the mysteries of the Bible. Some other featured mysteries of the Bible include the resurrection, the mystery of lawlessness, the mystery of the harlot empire, the mystery of the church. These I don't have time to discuss in any detail now, 
Some we've discussed in other sermons, some I hope to discuss in more detail in future sermons. Meanwhile, we need to be thankful that we have been granted understanding that few others in this age have acquired. It is our duty to be faithful stewards of the understanding of God's mysteries. It is our duty to do everything in our power to support the preaching of the gospel so that those mysteries can be made plain to others ready and willing to receive them.